I feel like for myself, I, I mean, I could annoy myself pretty well, so I might as well just have somebody else there to share all of that annoying with, right? Well, good morning. My name's Eric, and if I haven't met you yet, I have the privilege of serving as an elder here at this church. Uh, it's crazy to think that we are celebrating three years as a church, and half of our life has been in a pandemic, <laughs> and we've been homeless. We're having a rough childhood, folks, but we're, we're positioned to have like this amazing story, this comeback story. Oh, it's so great. I'm excited for that. Uh, I get the privilege of uh, bringing the message today, and what I want to do is uh, ask you to start right off the bat by grabbing your phone. If you could grab your cell phone. And we're going to put a QR code on the screen. And so if you could go to your camera app, open that up, and I'm going to step out of the way for a second. What this is going to do is it's going to uh, take you to a link where I'm going to ask you to participate for the first few minutes this morning. So let me duck out. And uh, I'm going to ask you uh, just two questions, but go ahead and snap that QR code. If a friend is uh, quicker, you can jump in with them. That's totally fine. But if you uh, are doing it right, you will see a green background with Voice Church up in the left. And I'm going to post right now. You'll see it. It's going to say, welcome to the conversation. So if you see that green back, you're good. All right. So the first question, we're going to talk about stories today. Did you know that the human mind is programmed to learn best? I'm an educator. To learn best through stories. Did you know that? Stories are one of the best ways that God designed us to learn, not just to learn information and content, but for life change, to learn to be different. We're going to talk about stories today. So I want to start by brainstorming. Now, this first one is just a warm-up, so there's no wrong answer. And if you see on your, this is called a Padlet, if you see on this Padlet, down in the bottom right-hand corner, there's a pink plus button. That's how you post, okay? So I am going to ask a few of you brave people to post. This is not going to be on the internet forever because I can delete it. It's fine. And there's no wrong answer because it's all opinion. So hey, it's a safe place to share. Okay. Uh, so if we are thinking about stories, every culture has this, this pattern to how they tell stories. Okay. Every culture, our culture included. Oh, I see hi there. Awesome. Thank you. Hi. That's great. Good. Thank you for testing it. It works great. Awesome. So my question is, think about the stereotypical rom-com, romantic comedy. What is, if we can do it in like three or four posts uh, to save a little bit of time for the next question, what is the storyline, so to speak, or the story pattern for the typical rom-com? Go ahead. Where does it start? Somebody post, kick us off. Where does it start? And maybe we can put this on the screen. If not, you'll see it on your screen there in front of you. But where does the story start? Also, if you are connecting online, feel free to jump in. Okay, so NYC <laughs> starts in New York City. Okay, that's a good setting. Usually it's winter or spring, yeah. Sweater, sweater weather for sure. Okay, so there's a lonely girl, a lonely boy. or So can we just wrap it up and say two people meet? Okay, they, they meet. Okay, so now what's the next step? What's the next step? I love this. Uh, we're being really specific here. That's great. Enemies end up falling in love. Awesome. So what is the next step? People meet, and then what? Wait for you guys. Typically, yep, they meet a shirtless guy on the beach, of course. Awesome. 
I work at a high school, so I've seen it all, folks. Don't even try to get a rise out of me today. So they, uh, so usually what happens is two people meet, and then, yep, they either don't like each other or whatever, but they end up either getting together, and then the big, the big problem in the story is what? They break up. Oh, there's a reason. There's a miscommunication. They hurt feelings. I love that you guys. Wow. That's great. In hindsight, maybe this wasn't the best place to start. Just kidding. That's awesome. And then at the end of the movie, what happens, everybody? Shout it out. They get back together. Ah, rom-com over. Okay, now, good warm-up. Now, I want to uh, think a little bit more specifically and maybe try to be more on topic. Voice Church, I love you. Now, if we're going to talk about the, the stereotypical hero story, how does the stereotypical, let's try to do it in three or four posts, how does the stereotypical hero story start? There's usually a bit of background. So how does the stereotypical hero story start? What do you think? Let's post that there. I'll read out a few. Think about the main stories that guide our culture. When we think of a typical hero story, yeah, underdog, the Avengers get together, right? That is definitely where I would say that, that it starts, is we have like this underdog, they're poor, they're forgotten, absolutely. As we have this, this very humble beginning, uh, or, yep, as was stated here, or just aliens invade the planet, that happens too. Good. Okay, so the hero grows up, and then what's next in the hero story template? What do you think? What's next? The hero is weak at first, and then they find out that they're strong, or something happens in a laboratory. Somehow, they identify that they're somebody they didn't know, and all of a sudden, their power starts, and their hero, the hero version of the story starts. He gains a mentor, exactly. The hero goes through challenge, exactly. And then what? COVID happens. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> awesome. Then there's, a, there's an enemy, right? There's a villain. And the hero goes through trial, and ultimately the hero story ends. They either, A, set up the trilogy and leave you hanging, right? But basically, the hero is the hero because they win. Would you agree? Yeah, the hero is the hero because they win. And I think that we, uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave the page now and leave you guys leave you guys to this, which might be scary. But uh, the hero is the story because they, because they win. And what I want to start us thinking about this morning is I think the hero story template that our culture kind of realizes or maybe doesn't realize is the stereotypical hero story. I think we have uh, the privilege of reading this G- the Jesus story, knowing the ending. But I think the Jesus hero story has kind of been a template for how we tell stories with one exception, with one exception. Now, if we think about big movies and big stories, and I mean like global uh, awareness of these stories, I, I think of things like uh, The Matrix and things like Harry Potter and, and The Hobbit, and, and there seems to be this trend where the hero dies and comes back to life. And it's become part of our story that the hero dies and comes back to life. And I think that this is a little echo back to the Jesus story. See, today we're going to continue our series on Luke, focusing on the life of Jesus and getting to know the real Jesus. And I get the privilege of covering the death and the burial of Christ today. And 
the tone of this message at times is going to be a bit somber. But this is part of the story. And if we miss out on this part, we will have missed out on a big chunk of what Christ came to do. So what I want to do is take a minute, and it is going to take a minute or two, and I want to read Luke 23, 26 through 56. It's, uh, it'll take us a few minutes to get through it. But, you know, Jesus literally went through this. We can take a minute and, and read it. Do you agree? Yeah. So if you have your phones or Bibles, you can uh, go to Luke 23, 26 through 56. It'll be on the screen as well. Sometimes it's good to have it in front of you if your phones are already out. And we're going to think about the hero story here. Hero story. So the crucifixion, verse 26. As they led Jesus away, a man named Simon, who was from Cyrene, happened to be coming in from the countryside. The soldiers seized him and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large crowd trailed behind, including many grief-stricken women. But Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are coming when they will say, Fortunate indeed are the women who are childless, the wombs that have not borne a child and the breasts that have never nursed. People will beg the mountains, fall on us, and plead with the hills, bury us, for if these things are done when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him, and they came to the place called the Skull, and they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Verse 34 Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he really is God's Messiah, the chosen one. And the soldiers mocked him, too, by offering him drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, he said. Are you? Prove it by saving yourself. Oh, and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested. Don't you fear God even when you've been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. By this time it was noon and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone and suddenly the, the, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. When the Roman officer overseeing the execution said, excuse me, saw what, he had, what, what had happened, he worshiped God and said, surely this man was innocent. And when all the crowd that came to see the crucifixion saw what had happened, they went home in deep sorrow. But Jesus' friends, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching. Imagine what they're feeling. Now there was a good and righteous man named Joseph. He was a member of the Jewish high council, and he had, uh, but he had not agreed with the decision and actions of the other religious leaders. He was from the town of Arithmia in Judea, and he was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. 
he went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. And then he took the body down from the cross and wrapped it in a long sheet of linen cloth and laid it in the new tomb that had been carved out of rock. This was done late in Friday afternoon, the day of preparation as Sabbath was about to begin. As his body was taken away, the women from Galilee followed and saw the tomb where his body was placed. Then they went home and prepared spices and ointments to anoint his body. But by the time they were finished, the Sabbath had begun and they rested as was required by the law. Thank you for letting us read that. I think it was important. So how much does Jesus' story fit into our typical hero story today? What do you think? Does it fit? Are there parts of it that don't fit into what we would call a typical hero story? I, I, I actually think it does pretty well. But we have to remember that this story was not written in the American context, in the North American culture. This story was written originally in the Hebrew culture. And they had a very different idea of what hero meant. I want you to consider this today. See, their lineage of heroes like Adam and Eve rise and then fall. And then Noah was chosen among all to be saved. And then he rose and fell. And on and on and on, Moses rises and falls. He is not the guy. He doesn't make it to the promised land. Jacob, rise and fall, not the guy. David, rise and fall, and not the guy. In the Hebrew storyline, maybe if you're watching Jesus at this part of his life when he's on the cross be put to death, and you're standing there, and you're thinking this through the Hebrew cultural hero storyline, you see Jesus on the cross knowing that this is the end of his life, or at least you think it's the end of his life, and you think because of this, because of his death here, he's not the guy. Because all our other heroes rose and fell. And because of Jesus' death, this is not the guy. This is the proof that he's not the Messiah. And if I'm honest, I'm like the hero people here. Now, those of you who are nerds like me, I love to read fiction. Every single night, if I don't read about a wizard or something, I don't sleep well. I love fiction. But I love it when the hero doesn't even break a sweat. I love it when the hero has, that there's no chance that the other team wins. I love the Jack Reacher stories. Total domination. I just, I love it when the hero decides that this is it. This is over. Because heroes don't lose. They don't get humiliated. Heroes don't get lied about. Heroes don't get crucified. Right? Why does Jesus do it this way? Why does Jesus do it this way? See, we know something about Jesus' life and his, his, his choices here. We know that Jesus could have used force to establish his kingdom. We know that Jesus could have used force. And how do we know that? I think he was very aware of this option. In the Matthew version of this story, we'll put it on the screen, Matthew 26, 53, when he's being arrested and this Passion Week is started and he's on his way to the cross, Peter grabs a sword and I think was aiming for like somebody's head, but missed because he's Peter and gets his ear instead. And Jesus picks it up, puts it back on. Amazing story in and of itself. And Jesus says, like, put the sword away, bro. 
Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us and he would send them instantly? But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? He chooses to fulfill this prophecy to be a different kind of hero. He makes the choice, instead of rising up above everybody to put them in their place, he chooses instead to die. They say, and it preaches well, that it's not the nails that held Jesus on the cross. It was his choice. It was his love for us, is that he wanted to be there. Why does Jesus choose to die? Why? Well, he reveals this in so many ways, and and that's a whole other sermon for another day, talking about the theology and the, the motivations. But just a few things. Mark 10, 45 says, The Son of Man, and this is his favorite nickname or favorite title for himself, Jesus is speaking about himself here, says, The Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom for many. A ransom is a purchase price. It's an exchange. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a way that you buy people back or you buy people out of bad situations. Romans 3.25 says, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood. And this word atonement has its roots in Passover where there had to be a sacrificed lamb to take away the sins of the people. So it's connecting the, the idea of Jesus' death, the shedding of his blood being for others. See, he died so that all who believe in him can be saved, but not by force. He's not going to force that on you. He's not going to step over any boundary lines. He's going to only come by invitation. He is going to allow you to choose to believe. Jesus died on the cross to give you the option of salvation. How crazy is that? See, he died in this way, I think, so that we wouldn't have to experience what he was about to, this, this kind of death, maybe not physical death, but this ultimate separation from God. We know that in the last few hours before his death, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was scared. He asked God for a way around the cross because he was fully human, and I, he gets it. He gets how we feel sometimes. He asked God if there was another way And ultimately, God said, God the Father said, no, this is the only way. And Jesus said, not my will, but yours. And he chose to live out the Father's will. See, I think Jesus died. One of the reasons Jesus died is because he knew that we would have to as well. I'll say it this way. I think that Jesus died to himself and his will because he knew that we would have to die to our self as well. Matthew 16, 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any one of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. You must take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life and have one foot in each camp, if you try the just the follow Jesus on Sunday thing, if you try anything but all in, you're going to lose it. And it's not a threat. It's just the way it works. But if you give up your life for my sake, then you will find it. He did it this way to be an example for us dying to our will and living out God's will 
Pastor Natalie said last week, Jesus went through it to show you how to do it. Jesus went through it to show you how to do it. Now, I could have taken this message in so many ways. There's so many verses and there's so many things. And and I prayed hard about what kind of perspective and what angle to go through this week. And this is what I feel like God has for us today. If you're unsure, if you can really trust Jesus, like you understand his life and you, you know, but you're, you're stuck in the moment. You're stuck with the decision where you really are just going to let, let go, like really let go the things that matter most. I want to point out that it's in these moments where Jesus is in, in extreme pain, where he is aware that he could have called down thousands of angels and gotten out of this that this is where you really see what Jesus is made of. This is where you really see what Jesus cared the most about. This is where you see Jesus' real heart, where the real mission, where the real identity of Jesus gets exposed. See, I love this because Luke's story veers off of the hero story of the time. Think Greek God, where the, the Greek God just comes down, does like the hero landing, and just takes control. But Jesus, this isn't the hero story. Luke doesn't write to just tell us another story. Luke writes this biography of Jesus, the one who was unlike anyone else, the one who was fully God and fully man. He's writing this biography of Jesus, but he's not just writing so that we would have another cool story to read at bedtime. He writes for one purpose, so that you would follow Jesus today. That's the purpose of the gospel, that you would be blown away and just convinced to give your life and follow him in his way. See, our lives are supposed to change because people from all over the world, I have lived in many countries, different languages and cultures, they read this story And they're forced to decide for themselves, okay, Jesus was a real guy. It is historical fact that he lived. That's not up for debate. It's provable. He lived and died just like Luke writes. But he says that he is God. He's either crazy or he's right. Then, as Andy Stanley says, then he predicts his own death and resurrection. And it happens. Anybody who predicts their own death and resurrection, like, just go with what they say. We'll talk more about that next week. But Luke writes to tell you this good news of reconciliation through Jesus. Why does Jesus do it this way? Because his death is part of the story. If you haven't caught it yet, it has nothing to do with religion. It's not just just opening a gateway for salvation. It's all about relationship. It's all about relationship. God wants to reveal his character through this act, among other things. God's real love and real grace for real people who really need it. God is literally dying to give you the option to have a relationship with him today. See, today we're covering a lot of scripture, and where I want to kind of land us is the story of the two criminals on either side. 
Luke 23, 32, just to cycle back around to it, says two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to the place called the Skull, or Golgotha, they nailed him to the cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right, one on his left. Now, I, I read this a lot to get ready, and I'm convinced that both of these guys are open to the option of being saved. Say it again. I'm convinced that both of these guys are open to the option of being saved. However, one of them sees Jesus hanging on the cross, and because that he is there on the cross, it, it convinces him that he's not able to save. The cross, the, the death of Christ, becomes the reason not to believe Jesus. And he mocks him. So you're the Messiah. Prove it by first saving yourself because that's what Greek gods do. That's what people of the world do. That's what powerful rulers and heroes of their day and age do. They save themselves first. Oh, and by the way, while you're at it, save us too. Ha ha ha. And he thinks that the way to prove that Jesus is the Messiah is to save himself. He doesn't know God's character. He doesn't know, he doesn't know the Jesus that we believe in. See, this is the, the man that's fully human and fully God. He has the same nature as God. And he knows that in order to be the Messiah, you don't put yourself first. He stays on the cross, even though that guy doesn't understand and he dies so that others can live. See, this reveals the heart of Jesus to us. And maybe we're like the, the criminal that looks at the death of Christ and, and, and the Christ who asks us to die as well to ourselves. And that becomes the reason why we don't trust him. That becomes the reason why, like, why would you disappoint me by telling me not to go after the things that I care about? And Jesus says, that's just not the way. It's not. See, the death of Jesus is not a reason to mistrust him. The death of Jesus is not a reason to mistrust his power and his plan and not to believe that he's not the Messiah. Maybe let's look at the second criminal and see what conclusion he makes. The other criminal protested. He says, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. Do you see how he concludes that because Jesus is on the cross, he has the ability to save? See, that the, the, the proof that Jesus is who he says he is, is because of the cross. The reason to trust in him is because of his death. I wish we could know more about the backstory of these two guys. I feel like I could geek out on that all day long. Like, tell us more. I want to know more. How did they get to the same spot and then land in totally different places? He recognizes that Jesus is innocent, and he asks for what Jesus is offering. What is Jesus offering? Relationship. He doesn't say, Jesus, can I go to heaven? He says, can I be with you? Will you remember me? Relationship. Now, 
We're going to end with John 15, 15. And this happens earlier in Jesus' life, obviously, but I think that this is where we need to end today. What is Jesus offering? I think that what is happening today is that this is an opportunity for those of us at Voice who haven't made up our mind yet about Jesus, who haven't made up our mind if we're all in or not. I think this is a day when we can decide because of the death, because of the life of Jesus, we can either choose to trust or not. We can choose to enter into relationship or not. Because we can play the game all day long and we'll convince others and we'll look the part. But there's an opportunity here and it's not in the context of shame. It's in the context of freedom when you can truly just give it up and become a friend of Jesus. John 15, 15, he says, I no longer call you slaves, which is somebody who works for somebody else, because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. Since I have told you everything the Father told me, Jesus isn't hiding anything. Verse 16, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Let's take a minute. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer where we just have some space and some silence. Uh, they can play, play in the background, but I feel like we need to work through this little list of prayer requests that I've got this week, and maybe this connects with you. So let's pray together, church, as we close. You can just stay seated. Lord, there are some of us in this room who are lonely. Like, really lonely. Even though they're surrounded by success and people, they, they still just feel alone. And I think today, one of the reasons why you chose to join those guys on the cross, to literally be crucified next to them, is to show people how much you want to be with them. That you put everything on hold. You gave your whole life to be friends with us. And there is a spiritual component with that. Jesus, you don't walk around with us like you did with them, but God, you are just as close as you have ever been today through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. There are some of us today that are experiencing loneliness that just need to invite you in all the way in to our lives. And what makes that possible is the death of Jesus. If that's you today, take a minute and just say to God, I don't want to be lonely anymore. I want to experience that relationship and that friendship with you, God. Please come into my life. Some of us today need purpose. We've checked all the boxes and we just don't know where we're going. We need to be steered in the right direction. It just feels empty, lost. Lord God, would you please remind those people that they have purpose in you, that they are valuable in you. God, that you have a plan, a good plan for their lives today. Help reveal that to them. Lord, there are some of us in this room that need peace and contentment in the context of a crazy storm that's happening in life. Whether it's health, relationship, 
finance. There is a storm going on and we need Jesus to show up and bring the peace and contentment knowing that he is with us. If that's you, just pray this prayer. Jesus, would you come in and just like the story of you on the boat in the storm, would you just tell everything to be still and bring peace. Lord, help us to be content just because you are near. And God, lastly, for salvation. There are some in this room that honestly going to church has just been a th the thing that the other person wants us to do. Or it's just been the thing that we check the box. I feel a little less guilty when I go. And it really hasn't been this moment of salvation where our life truly changes. And today's the day that we follow Jesus' example and we die to our own desire. Our desire to be separated from you, our desire to live our own way. But we know through Jesus' words that when, as soon as we give up our life to you, God, we find it. Lord, today would you create, help us to find the path to where we can trust you with that huge decision. Holy Spirit, we had such a good time in worship this morning. I pray that through this message and prayer and song after God, that the conversation would continue. Jesus, we thank you so much for your death. We're gonna talk more about, obviously, the end of the story, the resurrection, next week, but we can't do that until we've just taken some time to ponder this amazing thing that you did for us. That we might be called friends of God. Today, Lord, may we respond. May we respond. Maybe not zero to a hundred. Maybe not change our whole life, but one step forward. Progress, not perfection. And God, you will meet us right there. Lord, as we sing this last song, may we just drop all the facade. May we just come to you exactly how we are with nothing to offer and in the arms of our Savior who can't wait to meet with us. Lord, we, we thank you for your death as a father giving up your son, as the son giving up your life, and Holy Spirit being with us all the time. We love you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Why don't we stand and let's sing this last song together.